Be seated. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven their sins, whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they had said, he has an unclean spirit. I remember being a teenager, and I was in my dad's car, and we were talking about something, and I said something glib and angsty. And I remember my dad's response, which was something like this. He said, son, you have to be careful what you say. And you have to be careful the things that you say a lot or repeatedly because those become the things that you think. And the things that you think determine how you see the world. And how you see the world has a big effect on your place in the world. And he gave me an example. He said he worked with a guy decades back who would say throughout the day, I don't take any stuff off of anybody. It was his creed. And he said it a lot. And so he didn't. But it turns out that's a pretty crummy creed. It's a pretty crummy creed because taking stuff off of people is a big part of what it's like to be in community or to work or to be in a family or to parent. Ministry is a near daily dose of taking stuff <laughs> off of somebody, and I bet your lines of work and avocations are the same. That creed shrinks life down and actually makes life a little bit like death. That creed is a closed habit of mind which threatens to make a life small and deathly. Jesus, in the passage that I just read and in those couple verses, 28 and 29, that I quoted to you again, warns us of the most dangerous habit of mind, the most closed habit of mind, the most closed anti-creed, which is blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the famous unforgivable sin. And Christians, for a very long time, maybe forever, as long as there's been a gospel, have worried that they've somehow inadvertently committed this unforgivable sin, that they've somehow accidentally blasphemed the Holy Spirit. But as we dig into that, I want to say in the front, I don't think the unforgivable sin or blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is a simple slip of the tongue. I don't even think it's that closely identified with simple doubt or simple questioning. I think it's more a closeness of mind, an idolatry of the heart, a putting up of a barrier against the movements of God. And if, if, if you've ever worried about it, and if it pricks your conscience as you heard it read this morning, that's actually a good thing. Because to worry about it means that you're already sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. To worry about it means that in some sense you've been gifted and burdened with faith. Because the gift of faith is also a burden and that we're meant to worry about such things so that we don't miss out on the Spirit's movement in the world and in our lives. Now this is a radioactive verse. And it's very easy to lob at somebody else. So we need to be very careful and responsible about how we dig into it. And the way to do that is to start with just what it says in the text. A close reading of the text. And when we do that, when we do a close reading of this text, what we realize is 
Jesus' teaching about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit seems to be directed at the scribes in the story who have accused him of having an unclean spirit. Now, these scribes were the teachers and um, rabbinical, not rabbinical, pre-rabbinical law authorities of Jesus' day. They were the people charged with interpreting the law and then helping point the, the laymen or the other people who weren't so employed about where God was and how to, how to live into holiness of life. And the tragedy of what they're expressing is that in their desire to be obedient to God, they're actually opposing the Son of God and the Holy Spirit, which is right in front of them. That they are contradicting themselves in their closeness of heart. That they are teachers of the law who have used the law as an idolatrous way of having control or distance over God himself. They've fallen into a form of idolatry. That's what it seems to come out of the text. And then as we go from that, we need to think about what was going on with Mark and his community when these words were written. And we know pretty definitively that when Mark was writing these words, he and his community were being persecuted. That they were being charged as blasphemers that there's no doubt that they were having the same charge of blasphemy which was lodged against the Lord, which was what took him to trial and ultimately to death, so that this speaks right into their experience. So this, to us, very severe teaching was probably actually a word of strength and comfort to a persecuted people. Their remembering of these statements of Jesus is saying to them, the people who are persecuting you have brought you up on false charges. And even if they can go through all the way to trial, even if they can harass you, even if they can put you in prison, there is actually a yet greater power over them, and that power is the Holy Spirit. In effect, that what's going on has happened so often in you know, courtroom dramas and in families, the charge being leveled is actually the charge that is, should be pointed at the direction of the accuser, of the leveler. So building on that basis, how do, we, how do you and I think about this blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? And I think it's important to say that it's not primarily directed outward. This blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is not primarily about atheists or people of other religions or doubters or Christians who slip up and say the wrong thing. I think it is primarily about the sin that lurks inherent within religious life, which is the temptation to use religion as a means of constructing an idol out of God. The temptation to make of the living and revealed God, G-O-D, who is in our control. The best critique of religion is to be found within religion, and it's right here. The impulse to make a God of our own choosing instead of the revealed God which walls us off, is a closed habit of mind that keeps us from the experience of the living God, which is right in front of us, revealing God's self and moving in our very midst. In Germany in the 1920s and 30s, Karl Barth had the experience of seeing what happens, the deathly results of idolatrous religion and when politics becomes religion and when those two things meet, and he said a very simple but revolutionary thing in the face of that happening. He said we can never make God's standpoint 
our partisan standpoint. We can never make God's standpoint our partisan standpoint. No individual or group simply stands on God's side over and against others. Rather, in solidarity, we all share responsibility before God. We all stand before God. Jesus' words are a paradoxical challenge to our temptation to control God. They are a linguistic exorcism which calls out and banishes the old dusty idols of our religious imagination. But what does that look like in actual embodied life? We have an image of that right from the scriptures. And the story of the prodigal son ends with the elder brother pitching a fit outside the party, pitching a fit outside of a supper of the lamb. He's missing the great festival, the great feast of forgiveness. He's in fact missing heaven because he has a grievance, a resentment against the Father that has become for him a God which stands above the forgiving God that is all around him. That's a scary picture because it looks a lot like you and it looks a lot like me. The way that we nurse resentments for years and years, the way our dwelling upon something that happened to us or was said to us years and years can become a deathly habit of mind, a dangerous creed that can become a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. But the good news, beloved, is that Jesus loves us too much to leave us in that sorry state. He speaks to us more truthfully than we would like, but he does so to drive out that demon, to exercise that blasphemy of the Holy Spirit so that we can be remade and renewed and reborn as people who are not threatened, but sensitive to the movement of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, cast out our demons and free us from those places where we are slaves to idols. Cast out the sins which burden us today and free us from those little sins which have grown over time. Give us hearts and minds and eyes and ears to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit so that when we feel the wind of God blowing across our face, we might be renewed and remade. Amen.